We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indiana, home of Pacers basketball. Miller for three, and he got it. Legends have been born. Miller retreats to the three-point line and hits it again. Memories have been made. Caliburn, a deep three for the lead. And baby! Great basketball has been played. Nembhard away. Hits the three and the wins the In 49 states... It's just basketball. Flips it to the big fella, fake, shoots, and But this, this is Indiana. And you're listening to Setting the Pace. Let's go! Your go-to Pacers podcast. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. We got paces hooping. Let's talk stats. Hot takes. All facts. New topics. Updates. Three pointers. Fast breaks. We keep scoring. We don't need to stop. New episodes. Weekly drops. This your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Setting like pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Pacer Nation, it is All Star Weekend, but before we jump into anything for All Star Weekend, we've got an awesome conversation with the one and only Kevin Bowen. From the wake-up call with KB and Andy, you guys heard Andy last week before the trade deadline talking all things trades with us, but we got KB on to look at this, look at this team for the rest of the season, some of the moves they made, and just kind of talk about the state of the team here. So I think you guys are going to really enjoy this. Now, I will give you guys a heads up. We recorded this Tuesday night before the Pacers took down the Toronto Raptors 127-125. If you missed that game recap, have no fear. James Boyd from The Athletic joined me to talk about that, but me and Fachi... We interviewed Kevin Bowen today for that, but I will just say this about All-Star Weekend. The city is buzzing right now, ladies and gentlemen. Tyrese Halliburton, he's been on the J.J. Reddick podcast. He was on the Woj pod last night at the Vogue and Broad Ripple. He was on the Pat McAfee show. He's been everywhere. Uh, Tyson Beck and, and, and Justin Beck, they were doing uh, some stuff with Tyrese. Tyrese has a new basketball card. A lot of cool things going on with Tyrese and Miles Turner's doing a lot of media. Benedict Mather's doing media. So, you know what? A lot of Pacer love out here in Indianapolis. You know, everybody is loving it and this city and what it's doing so far. We're only <laughs> Friday morning at this point. So we've got all Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So if you are downtown this weekend, hope you have a good time. I did put out a, a thread 
of like 30 restaurants in Indianapolis to try. And trust me, I know there are some that I left out. People are dragging the list and people love the list. You know what? It's just an opinion and I am not upset about it. So, you know, it's not a ranking either. I would just put that out there for people saying this, this being a ranking is terrible. It's not a ranking. It's just 30 restaurants. That's all I was doing. And I was kind of doing it while I was busy. So sorry for that, but I am excited to have Kevin Bowen come on this podcast and, and talk with us about the state of the team. And, you know, there is one thing that I did want to address because a lot of you have asked me, does Tyrese Halliburton have two different voices? Because it does seem to happen sometimes, and it almost feels like it is an uh, audio malfunction when you're listening to him talking to a microphone. Because I've never really caught him doing it, not in a microphone. So when we've had post-game interviews with him, there he has done it. So it's one of those weird things people are like, you got to ask him about that? I'm like, I, I would never ask Tyrese Halliburton about having two different voices. Now, there is someone that can, and the only person I think that probably could in the media and get away with it, the way that he got away with it, is Pat McAfee. So if you were curious if Tyrese Halliburton has two voices, Pat McAfee did ask him about that, and it was so funny, because Halliburton said, I do, people say that all the time. He's like, I didn't realize it, you know? It just kind of happens, and it's like, if you listen to him, it is so funny. It does not, it's just so different the way that his voice changed. So, uh, there has been other pe players that I've heard that their voice changes. Carly Anthony Towns almost has like a interview voice versus like a normal voice. So I just find it hilarious. Uh, we love Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrese Halliburton is just embracing the city, being an ambassador for the city. And, and you love to see it. it. It's so cool to see him getting all the love and the attention. And hopefully, I'm hoping that he uh, is able to get all NBA so he can get that money. I, I thought him, him and JJ Reddick had a great conversation on that. So if you're looking for podcasts about All-Star Weekend and just different stuff besides this, and there's going to be a ton of content pace related for you out there. So if you're checking this out, thanks so much. We'll be back, I'm sure, Sunday night, Monday morning to talk about All-Star Weekend, all the festivities, and we're going to have plenty of content coming for you, uh, coming to you for the rest of this week. But with that being said, I appreciate you all so much, and let's get into our conversation. Kevin Bowen. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice 
the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, everybody. Happy Friday. It is All-Star Weekend. The Pacers will be representing us well here in Indianapolis for the All-Star Weekend. But here to talk just the state of the Pacers with us from the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. We had Andy last week, but now we got his better half on, Kevin Bowen. KB's been a little bit longer longer here with Indiana, so we'll give him the better half part there. So, KB, how's it going, man? Hey, boys. It's always good to chat. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying All-Star Weekend. Hopefully it'll be a fun time here in Indianapolis. And uh, looking forward to these final 20, 25 games. Absolutely. And, and we are recording this on a Tuesday night, so we have not seen what the Pacers have looked like against the Toronto Raptors. But obviously coming off a tough loss against Charlotte, it's been a lot of up and down with this Pacers team since they've made a few trades here. Just kind of your overall feeling on this team right now based on how they've looked since making the trades. Yeah, the tweet, or the word I used in my tweet last night after the Charlotte game was clunky. It, they just have been very clunky to me since the Siakam trade. And again, there's plenty of context around it. Um, to the point you just brought up, Alex, obviously multiple trades, uh, injury situation. Uh, you didn't have that early in the year. And I yeah, I, I kind of go back to November and think, man, you know, that was the opportunity to really get ahead from a schedule standpoint, from a health standpoint, uh, games in your own building as well, primarily, and just some missed opportunities there. And now the margin for error is just a lot slimmer down the stretch. So I think a lot of questions, you know, entering the break, exiting the break, you know, the health of Jalen Smith, the health of Benedict Matherin. Of the role for Benedict in that second unit and just taking on more of the brunt, you know, certainly starting lineups got to figure some things out. Um, so, you know, it's kind of weird to think 30 wins, 31 wins, whatever it is, you probably sign up for that at the start of the year, but entering the break, it's just, there's a lot of unknowns to me about what we're going to see here over the final couple of months. Yeah, I think it's a good point because I think, yeah, like you mentioned, Hey, a, a lot of Pacer fans, if you told them what the record would be right now, Everyone would be happy with it. I, I I would say so. You felt like this was a team maybe that could be in the play-in category. But what were your expectations before the season for this Pacers team, you know, at the All-Star break maybe? Yeah, Faji, I thought, you know, I got started the year, I thought five or six seed um, and, and hovering around 45 wins. That, that That's right where I thought they should be. Um, but it is kind of weird to, like, see them in that general area. And yet I don't have, like, the strong conviction about it. Um, I don't know, maybe reverse some of the orders of the season. If we had just watched the in-season tournament, maybe we feel a whole lot differently. Uh, but again, this team is just so different from the in-season tournament and, and their makeup and everything like that. Um, you know, generally, I still think that you're on a very positive direction, and that's the most important part to it. You know, I've always probably been one that looks a little bit into the future than most. Um, and I think, you know, I, honestly, with the latest trade, you know, the Pacers even did a little bit of that. Um, with the healed move and and how they now look a little bit more flexibility. 
moving forward than they originally had. Um, so again, all in all, I think you're well positioned. But when you make the Siakam trade, that shifts some things for me. It, it shifts some things of like you got to make the playoffs. You, you you have got to have, in my opinion, a, a very competitive opening round for us to sit here in late April, early May, and say, okay, that was a pretty successful season. Because if you don't, and if this season does start to derail, which I don't think it will, but if it does, and, you know, again, as we record this, I mean, you're in a play-in against Miami right now. I, I don't think anybody wants that. And if you all of a sudden lose that, I, I don't know if you want a one game, keep your season alive against Trey Young or even Chicago, which is weirdly given Indiana some fits over the last couple of seasons. So um, that would be kind of the last thing that you want. But I'd say all in all, I, I, I'm probably right on track of kind of where I thought, but it's just weird how they've gotten there. Yeah, and I, and I want to go back to the Pascal Siakam trade because I know this was a player that you were kind of on the fence about. Not sure if you like this move for Indiana, and he is a little bit older. Obviously, he is an all-star level player, but it's kind of like the Pacers were saying, hey, we're going to take two steps forward by going and making that trade. Then they trade Buddy Hield and, and get significantly worse on the bench. So it's kind of like they made a better move to get a better player in Siakam, but they still just, as a well-rounded team, they're kind of floating around like, I don't know, they, they, to me, they're becoming more uh, easy to predict in terms of how they're built. And there's not as much shooting on this team as there once was that now that you've traded away Bruce Brown and Buddy Hield. So I guess, do you like the Siakam trade? Are they glad that they did it? Does it make sense to you? Yeah, you know, lukewarm was the word that I used um, at the time. It, it, it's such huge commitment. You know, it's obviously you're giving up, you know, multiple first-round picks, and then, you know, theoretically you're going to hand him a, a pretty significant deal, which is going to probably have one hand tied behind your back. I think we already saw kind of a financial move, you know, with the trade deadline for this team. Um, and, and that's where I just wasn't, you know – running around the circle here, you know, naked about it. Um, you know, to me, I, I, it might've just been a little low hanging fruit to compare OG Ananobi and Siakam, but I just continue to look at the defensive side of the ball and think if you can get someone that aligns a little bit more on Tyrese's age frame and you really, really take a huge step in that direction, that's where I would have liked to have seen the, the big swing or the first big swing. You know, hopefully you're going to have multiple big swings in the Tyrese era for that. And so that's where I was just a little bit lukewarm on it. Uh, he obviously is an extremely skilled offensive player. I mean, they are six and eight since the trade. And I would be, ab you know, I could easily be like, see, you know, here they are under 500. And, and that would be such a dumb comment because anybody that watches this team right now, it's not like Siakam is a liability. Sure. It, it, you know, it, there can be things that he can improve on. And certainly last night, no one could guard anyone on Charlotte seemingly, but you know, there were some issues there on that end of the floor, but he is an extremely gifted offensive player. And honestly, there's probably times where I've underestimated him on that end of the floor and his ability to go get a bucket. But I just felt like we were in this little bit of a trap of like, you have to make a move now. And I understand there were some pieces, Bruce Brown obviously being one that, you know, you don't necessarily have under team control moving forward in the sense of he's an expiring deal and things like that. But I am just downright bullish on Tyrese Halliburton's ability to attract talent. And I know that it doesn't look crystal clear. Like we all want to like see that guy there and okay, that makes total sense. Um, he's a free agent. We're going to be able to go out and get him. And that's just not how it works. You know, we are surprised by moves 
seemingly every year, the NBA more than probably any other professional sports league and the ability to see guys move teams. And I just think with this weekend being a big, big part of it, Halliburton's going to continue to be a tremendous recruiting chip. And I just didn't feel like you were in a need to do that that early. Um, again, it's not the end of the world, uh, but I, I just would have liked to have seen a different type of swing I get that these guys don't necessarily grow on trees, so you're you know limited in a bit of what you can do. But I think some would have you know risen up, whether it was you know later this off season or who knows. Um, and defensively, I just still have you know major questions about this team, and I don't think necessarily you address that. So again, if you're going to make me, you know, a buddy of mine is like, all right, can you explain a little bit more? Like where are you at on a one to ten scale? I was probably like a six on the trade. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm 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 good with it, um, but. I'm not jumping up and down, you know, eight or nine, something like that. I definitely hear you on a lot of those talking points. I think Indiana felt that, you know what, it's going to be a really competitive market for Pascal Siakam in this free agent class, that this is their way to be able to get ahead of it, offer him more money than other teams. But at the same point, once Indiana did that, they really did not have many assets to be able to part with at this trade deadline. And I'm with you. I wanted to see this team address some of these defensive issues but in the end, when you don't really have a first-round pick that you could part with until 2028, that would have been a little bit too bold. And you don't want to give up any of your young you know, players. Their hands were a bit tied, and in the end, you end up with Doug McDermott, who you know is not going to help you out defensively. Uh, so far, it's been a little bit tough from an offensive standpoint. But did you feel that, you know, were you a little bit let down to, to see that they didn't do anything to address the defensive issues at the trade deadline? Yeah, I mean, I'd love from some true serum on the buddy, you know, deal. I've, you know, heard that, you know, one point in January, Tyrese didn't green light it. And then eventually he did green light it. And, you know, again, did buddy demand that he be traded his demand too big of a word to use, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. I, I think in an ideal world, um, I, I would like to have seen a little bit more of kind of that six, eight ish type of defensive presence. But again, those guys are even hard to come by. And to your point, you know, there's not a lot of resources you have just to get rid of. I was honestly pretty content with a little bit more flexibility that they've added moving forward. Um, I think it's it's important to continue to try and strike that balance of making sure you've got some ammo from draft pick standpoint. You've got a little bit of cap flexibility. Um, and I get that you're entering a new phase. But, you know, one of the things that Kevin Pritchard's been so brilliant about is being in positions to where teams all of a sudden look at and they're like, oh, boy. We can't make this trade work. Let's call the Pacers. And then all of a sudden, boom, the Pacers insert themselves. And voila, we're like, oh, my gosh, what a brilliant move. Like, that was so smart. And, again, you can't live in that world because it doesn't mean that ultimately you're winning at a high enough level. But I still think, and I think the Pacers moves this all, this season have indicated that, they're trying to find that balance of like, wait a minute, are, how many chips? No, no, no. Can I bring a few of those chips back from the middle of the table? And that's difficult to do, but I think that's where you're at. I don't think you need to be in an all-in sort of position. I mean, these final 25 games, you want to talk about a massive stretch for a guy like Benedict Matherin. I mean, huge in evaluating him moving forward. Uh, what a great opportunity for Andrew Nemhard and Aaron Neesmith to try to continue to cement themselves. Certainly Neesmith more than Nemhard by what you've seen, but try to cement themselves. Um, you know, Jalen Smith's got a lot of money on the line here these final 20 games or so as well. So, um, I am intrigued by that aspect to it of like, okay, they're going to get clear answers on some of these puzzle pieces, which I do think is very, very important. 
Um, but doing that and then the argument of wins versus losses certainly is difficult to do. So um, it, it's just an interesting time. And, and again, I think it's a good thing because you are on the right path. But I totally get there are some fans out there that wanted to see more of the chips in on this season. And then you have others out there that are like, well, realistically, it's probably not going to go too deep into April and May. Let's make sure you still have a little bit of optionality to use the Pritchard word, you know, moving forward. I kind of feel like their victories against Milwaukee, beating them four games to uh, to one, having some success against Boston and Philadelphia. Maybe it did kind of put the cart before the horse a little bit in terms of getting the, the front office excited about what this team can become. And I don't have a problem with that because we've seen Tyrese Halliburton evolve so much, but the hamstring injury has kind of set them back once again, another injury in January to kind of make them look at things. But uh, just to go back to the Siakam stuff, you know, six and eight since they've been here, but he does have the best plus minus at a 4.4 over those 14 games. So clearly he's a good addition. It's just continuing to get him more reps with Halliburton. But you talked about, you heard some different things on the buddy front and you'd like a true serum there, but Halliburton not giving it the green light in January. To me, I'm kind of I'm kind of wondering, do the, does the front office at the mercy of Tyrese Halliburton a little bit too much here? Because could they have had a much better deal in January that would make more sense for this team than waiting till the deadline day? Because I don't know. I mean, I, I love Halliburton, obviously. I want him to be here long term. And I know they have a little bit of PTSD with how they handled things with Paul George. But how much is too much when it comes to allowing a player to have a say? A brilliant question. Um, I think it's a really tough answer. Um, probably in a market like this, you have to side with the star a little bit more than you would ultimately like. And I guarantee you, probably what Kevin Pritchard, Chad Buchanan, Kelly Kroskoff, and Ted Wu say behind a closed door about <laughs> Tyrese's input is probably a little different than what they would say in front of them. But, you know, welcome to NBA life in 2024. Um, again, in, in this market especially. And I, I don't know, Tyrese doesn't strike me as a dude that abuses that power. Yeah, um, that might be naive of me to say, but I, I, that's just my general impression of him in the few you know limited inter interactions that I've had with him. But um, I, I, I'll go back to something that I said earlier. Maybe I'm falling in love too much with the Team USA quotes from this fall, but I just think guys around this league sit there and watch him and think, damn, that looks fun. That looks enjoyable. It's not ball dominant. It's not you know, I'm going to get my my touches. And, um, you know, it's funny. My brother-in-law went to a game a couple of weeks ago, and it was the Boston game with Tatum out. And then I think, you know, Halliburton obviously got hurt that night. And then Halliburton, you know, was on the bench, obviously, in street clothes a few nights later. And I don't know, this, again, this isn't the end-all, be-all. But he observed how different their bench interactions were. You know, Tatum versus you know, Halliburton. And, you know, I think you watch a lot of stars and I mean, hell the other night, I don't even know if Clay Thompson ever even, you know, showed up for that game with the Warriors, or at least certainly didn't have a huge vocal presence on their bench. Like, I mean, look at Halliburton when he's out. I mean, he's sitting right there and he's highly, highly into it and all of that. I just think there are guys out there that are going to want to play here. And again, what does that look like? I can't tell you, but I, I, I'm I'm bullish on that and go back to the, you know, whatever, Paula Boncaro's quotes or Jaron Jackson Jr.'s quotes or Austin Reeves' quotes or, you know, Mikhail Bridges. I mean, so many of those guys from that team just went out of their way to, you know, he's never thrown me a bad pass. And um, I think you saw in those games, you know, you could certainly have made a strong argument he deserved to play more than Jalen Brunson as Team USA made their way 
through that. And who knows if he makes the Olympic team, which I think he deserves a great shot at that. That's only going to grow. I mean, the Olympic stage, I mean, that's even different. And if he does that, boy, all of a sudden you're going to continue to have some people um, knocking on that door. So I guess to kind of bring it full circle, that's just where I'm at of, I, 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 I don't know how you make it all work. And certainly, you know, a lot of things have got to be met. You know, players are not just going to play with a, a friend of theirs. Financial demands have to be there and the right situation has to arise. But um, I'm a uh, I'm a big believer in Tyrese Halliburton's ability to attract. Uh, so am I. I just think that we have not seen a, um, a recruiter quite like Tyrese Halliburton. And I'm very excited about, you know, what's to come. Making Team USA, just like you mentioned, would be – extremely beneficial you truly be playing with the best talent you know in nba at least from you know team usa side but regardless you know after they make that deal and they trade buddy heel you know then you make the the move for mcdermott do you feel that indiana anticipated the buyout market being a little bit better than it is now because alex and i joked i mean we're almost at the point of kind of digging up the, the grave of a player who played in the past to try and fit on this Pacers team because there's really not many players out there right now that could actually contribute to wins on this roster. There's guys that you might be able to put at the end of the bench and say, hey, you know what, he's a good teammate, but there's really not that many players that can help Indiana win games right now. Do you think they thought there would be better players out there than there are now? Yeah, I, that's that's a great question. I, I don't... Part of me thinks yes, but then part of me thinks they've just they, they have fallen in love with that open roster spot before, and, and, and I get it. Um, and obviously they were in different positions in, in previous years than they are now. Um, but then I also try to map out the rotation a little bit, and you know, again, if everything is working well uh, and you're healthy, you've got your starting five, and then the bench unit would look something like McConnell, Matherin, Jalen Smith. And then, boom, where's Obi? Where's Isaiah Jackson? You know, where's Ben Shepard? Where's Doug McDermott? Again, you're starting to get to like 11, 12, and it's like, oh, boy, come playoff time, you know, you see teams shorten it to eight, you know, maybe nine. So, again, part of me goes to that point as well. I don't think there's a ton of back-to-backs the rest of the way. I would need to double-check that. But having said all that, I mean, look at the current health. Uh, This has been one of the more banged-up, you know, months that they've had in a while. So, um, yeah, I – especially at that four position, just that general log jam there is still a bit head scratching to me. I mean, I, I get, even if Walker doesn't, you know, see any sort of consistent run, which, you know, he's probably not going to, um, you know, even finding backup minutes for Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson, and Obi Toppin consistently is not going to be a given here moving forward. Um, so yeah, I, I, that is a good, a good question. And, And I'm certainly curious just how they do go about that. And, if they're kind of kind of wait and see a little bit here as you know, the rest of the all-star break and uh, they return from that plays out. Yeah. Uh, only one more back-to-back this season. So that's good. Uh, it's good to know for the Pacers, but yeah, I mean, it's obviously just kind of been like an up and down. And I think with Tyrese going out, trying to work him back in, that's why it feels to me, like you mentioned earlier, so clunky because he hasn't looked like himself all the way. There's been flashes of it against the Knicks. He had some flashes uh, against the Hornets when he had the reverse dunk. And it just felt like as time went on, it's just like, I don't know if like the grind of the 36 minutes a game or whatever it is that he's playing around 30 minutes now, it's like just kind of wearing him out a little bit and maybe he's getting tired by the end of it. But I think they're still trying to find that balance. And so the last one for me is, you know, Miles Turner has been uh, an up and down player in his career, I would say, and has really kind of found himself a sweet spot here with Halliburton at the, at the point guard. But 
even at times this year, it looks like his defense has taken a step back. I know JMV has talked about how he looks a little bit slower too, and if maybe he's playing through an injury, but like we saw him come out so forceful against the Knicks and even in the first quarter against the Hornets. But then as the Hornets game goes on, you see him kind of fall back into the old Miles Turner. So curious your thoughts on Miles and just do you feel like when his contract's up at the end of not this season, but the next season, like that's a really big question mark. Yeah, I think it's a great point you bring up. You watch that Hornets game last night, and boy, you could watch the first four or five minutes, and you know, unbelievable, you know, game for Miles, et cetera, et cetera. If you watch the rest of the game, I don't even think the box score told the full story. Um, I thought he really struggled, and honestly, there were some points in the fourth quarter where I thought, you know, maybe you move him to the bench and go just small ball, and, and you know, play Siakam at the five there and, and try to match them. As sad as that sounds, like I thought. That's where that game was kind of turning to there late. Uh, yeah, I mean, who is your starting five of the future? I mean, certainly Turner has some um, definite reasons that that would be the answer. But, you know, and part of me watches Jalen Smith and thinks, okay, could that be somebody that you would turn to? You know, am I falling in love to too much of 40-50 games? Should I have paid attention more to last year? Granted, it's a much different role, um, you know, Part of me thought with how, you know, the last couple of drafts have unfolded, I guess you go back to Isaiah, but, you know, I thought to myself, okay, you know, could you find a little bit of a project big that, you know, is kind of that elite rim protector and then you then you grow kind of the rest of the game, but they never really did that with any of those picks as well. So, um, yeah, that is, I think, a really good question that you have. I also just feel like in a way, you know, what is the future five position in this league? You know, is it something that is a, a major resource that needs investment? Is it more of a, you know, to use the football analogy, is it more running back like? Like you can get by with kind of a hodgepodge and again, maybe more of just that rim protector and, you know, invest heavily guards and wings like it's quarterback and wideout, that sort of thing. I, I, I probably lean a little bit more towards there, but I, I don't want to sound like I, you know, I'm just ripping miles and undress them because I think he's a, you know, very fine player and obviously helps the team out that can't defend the perimeter at the level that I think is necessary oftentimes. But to your point, Alex, you know, defensively, there's still some question marks that you have. So yeah, the future at five um, is super intriguing. And again, do you have room for Jalen Smith next year? Uh, how does that look? Uh, how does Turner's game continue to evolve, if at all? I mean, he is reaching, you know, he's got to be close to 30 at this point. Um, yeah, he'll be 28 this year in March. So by the yeah, end of his contract, so, he'll be 29. So it's just a question you have to have. And unfortunately, again, I don't know, maybe the early second pick will be used on a player like that. But um, I think it'd be nice to have kind of like a 13th guy right now that is more of that project of – you know, I don't know. I'm just picturing the uh, the old Yukon bigs that just simply seemingly were. Uh, I saw Hilton Armstrong on the bench for the Warriors the other night. You know, I'm picturing somebody like that of, uh, you know, a big a bit of a project, but can protect the rim. And again, it's the most recent game in there. But like I'm watching Charlotte the other night and I jotted down very early in the game. Like, OK, this is a backup big, just like the Knicks. I mean, Nick Richards is not you know, in an ideal world, he would not be starting for Charlotte. I mean, this is this is the game that we've talked about with Turner for years. Do you have the advantage with the starting big, or does the team with a backup center and a bunch of wings around that, do they have the advantage? And, you know, it, it proved out during the game that, you know, your weapon of having Turner just wasn't that big of an advantage for you. A lot of other reasons why you lost that game, but, you know, some teams – 
uh, their center, their big would absolutely dominate the game and be able to control, you know, both ends of the floor. And um, that's just not Turner, or at least wasn't him Monday night. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately he's only had 10 double doubles this year. And I heard Chris say that on the broadcast last night. And I know that because I looked it up and he's there. The paces are eight and two when he gets double digit rebounds. So you would like to see him be a little bit more aggressive on the glass and just find a way to be more impactful there. But uh, KB, we're going to wrap things up here with you. We really appreciate your time. Go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you at on social and anything you'd like to play. Yeah, I appreciate that. KBO and 1070 on Twitter. Uh, the wake-up call like you let off with each morning. Myself and Andy Sweeney, 7 to 10 a.m. here locally. For those out of market, we're the Pacers affiliate radio uh, radio network. So, yeah, 93.5, 107.5, the fan here in Indy. And you guys will be at All-Star Weekend, so we know that plenty of coverage from you as a media member there. Check that out, so make sure you guys follow KB. KB, thanks again, and uh, we'll have you back on soon. Alex, Michael, always enjoy it, boys. Have a great All-Star break. Appreciate you. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.